Hey there, good afternoon. Welcome back to Crest in the Afternoon. Marcus Peter filling in for Al Crest on this lovely Tuesday afternoon, May the 2nd, feast day of St. Athanasius of Alexandria. Joseph Pierce has spent decades studying both the public and private lives of J.R.R. Tolkien and C.S. Lewis. So he was surprised recently to discover an old letter by their friend, and it taught him something new about Tolkien that prompted him to write this article entitled Tolkien and Lewis on the Blessed Virgin Mary. This was published in the Imaginative Conservative two days ago, April the 30th. Joseph, how are you doing? I'm doing very well, thank you. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Uh, so, uh, I, <laughs> I, I, th- this is a riveting article, and I read this feeling your excitement as you picked up that letter and, and read its content. So, share that excitement with all of us. You, you picked up the letter, and you, you, you probably your hands probably started shaking. Your, your heart did that, that excited palpitation thing. So, yeah, tell us what was going on and going through your mind that prompted the writing of this, let- this article. Yes, yeah, so I I, I, I I plucked a book from my from my shelves uh, here at home, my personal library, and opened it. And then what I should see is this letter folded up um, from um, George Sayer, who was a friend, a good friend of both C.S. Lewis and J.R.R. Tolkien. Uh, he had been C.S. Lewis's uh, student at one point, and then became his friend, became headmaster of the school. And he went out hiking with Lewis and Tolkien. So I knew who he was, and in fact, I'd read... Um, his his book uh, on Lewis, his biography of Lewis, and I'd actually corresponded with him when I was when I was doing my own research um, for my book Literary Convert. So I knew who he was. But I opened it up, and there, and, there, and there's this wonderful letter to uh, to a Benedictine nun called Dame Felicitas Corrigan, who's also very well known because I mean she wrote many books and she and she knew lots of people, you know, people like Alec Guinness and um, George Bernard Shaw, etc. And so I was obviously, well, what's this? And then I, then I read it, and, um, you know, uh, and it was, uh, the letter had been sent to me by Stratford Caldicott, an old friend of mine, a great Catholic convert writer who has died tragically young. And, um, you know, and that was back in 2006, and I came across it, you know, relatively recently. So um, I, this sort of, I thought, well, what, what happened? When, when, and basically, I started reading the letter, and there's this one, there's wonderful, George says his own memories of both C.S. Lewis and J.R.R. Tolkien, and including, as I say, revelations that I, that I found very exciting. You know, that, 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 that truly is outstanding. And anyone who reads Tolkien, well, you know, okay, this, so this is funny. I belong to a series of uh, Tolkien fan clubs, if you will, you know, the, the book groups. And it, it's hilarious that the Catholics seem to be able to find each other really easily within these groups because we all see the, these interpenetrating realities that are woven into Tolkien's works when it comes to exploring the, the analogous image, if you will, of Mary. So l- let's start off with that. You go on to, to talk extensively extensively about Tolkien's writings in general and then interweave it with uh, Lewis's works. So how does Tolkien attribute, first of all, his magnum opus of The Lord of the Rings and even the, the Hobbit trilogy by extension to the work of Mary? Well, yes. Well, the, in the letter itself, the, you know, the, 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 what, the, 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 the sentence that made my eyes uh, you know, wide, wide open with, uh, with, with, uh, with joy, if you like, was that Tolkien said in that letter... Which is still not being published. I attribute whatever there is of beauty and goodness in my work to the influence of the Holy Mother of God. Mm. You know, and and I and I, and I say in my article, you know, this is not it's not n- new uh, to know that Tolkien has this devotion to the Blessed Virgin because he does talk about it in some of his, the, his published letters that were in the uh, volume of uh, 
of his letters uh, edited by Humphrey Carpenter. So, you know, in, in some of those, he, he, he makes it clear um, that he loves the Blessed Virgin and that, and that her influence uh, pervades the Lord of the Rings and, and his other writing. But um, you know, the fact that we've got this, this particular reference here, which has not appeared anywhere else, where he attributes whatever there is of beauty and goodness in my work, you know, so everything that's really beautiful and good in his work, he attributes to the, the Holy Mother of God, to use his wording. I mean, that to me is, a, uh, is an astonishing discovery. But that's also a, a pretty lofty claim. Everything that's beautiful in my work, I attribute to the Holy Mother of God. So, you know, shed some light on that. Uh, wh- why, would, why would he say that if not for the fact that he, he wove in these Marian themes into everything that's beautiful about his work? Well, I, I think there's two things going on. There is that. Um, so we certainly, you know, we, we know that he said that he put all of his love for the Blessed Virgin Mary into his characterization of Galadriel. Mm-hmm. And we know that the invocations uh, of Elbereth uh, yep. in, in, in his books is also a Marian reference. But I think it's deeper than that. I think this what's really exciting here, because obviously you, everything of beauty and goodness in my work, the Empress Holy Mother of God, obviously, you know, Aragorn's not, there's not the Blessed Virgin being woven into Aragorn per se. I think what he's saying here, which I find very exciting, is that basically he prayed for her intercession. Mm. Um, uh, and, and that therefore, if you like, it was the power of her prayer uh, that, if, if, if you like, enlivened uh, and enriched his words and whatever aspect of the story he's writing about, she was present through her powerful intercession as the Holy Mother of God. And actually, I think at the end of the, at the end of the, um, Novel, I, I allude to the way that Homer begins uh, the great classic poem, the Iliad, uh, with a prayer to his muse, you know, to, the, to the goddess of, of, of creativity, mm-hmm. asking, you know, sing muse of the anger of Achilles and its destructiveness and the will of God, the will of Zeus that is accomplished. And I, I can imagine that Tolkien basically doing something very similar, you know, basically you know, asking the Blessed Virgin to sing through him so that the words that he writes become a beautiful song to the to God Himself through the intercession of the Holy Mother of God. I, I I can't see how those words can mean anything but the fact that he had a prayerful relationship with the Blessed Virgin in 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 the sense of probably asking for her intercession every time he picked up the pen uh, right. and wrote The Lord of the Rings. I mean, it's no coincidence that the destruction of the ring on, in uh, in Mount Doom took place on March the 25th. Uh, that, that wasn't something that was just con- uh, contrived by happenstance. He planned it that way. Exactly. March the 25th, of course, is the Marian feast, the Feast of the Annunciation, when, mm-hmm. uh, when God blesses the Blessed Virgin uh, you know, with, with basically taking habitation in her womb. Uh, the incarnation happens uh, through her, um, and, uh, you know, the, the March 25th is the date on which it happens traditionally. So, um, of course, the Tol- Tolkien, this is a, a, an absolute practical, unavoidable example of how, if you like, Tolkien enriches uh, the moral and philosophical meaning of his work by, by giving it biblical references um, and particularly to the, the, the liturgical calendar, and this, of course, uh, is, is specifically a Marian feast.
Talking to Joseph Pierce, Director of Book Publishing at the Augustan Institute, editor of the St. Austin Review, and senior contributor at the Imaginative, Imaginative Conservative, whereupon we extracted this article, Tolkien and Lewis on the Blessed Virgin Mary. You know, I love that you you mentioned the invocations of Elbereth because the way Tolkien wrote Varda, or Elbereth as her Sindarin name is, uh, is known as, he wrote her as this the most beautiful of the Valaj. She, she was the one who greatest... Uh, illumin- sorry, was illuminated by uh, the the light of Eru Ilavata, and and she she's known as Queen of the Stars. She's known as the ki- the Kindler. Uh, the, her name means sublime or lofty. So so clearly, you know, this was a man for whom his love of Mary permeated literally how he imagined this universe. Exactly. I mean, you know, you, you can almost have you know a, 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 a litany of Elbereth uh, that would that would parallel and harmonize with. You know, the, the, the Litany of Loretto, the Litany of the Blessed Virgin Mary, all these various titles that the Christians have given to Mary over the, over the millennia, um, you know, that, that Tolkien basically takes that, if you like, as inspiration uh, and, and applies it to his own myth uh, in the way that he describes this, uh, this, this, this beautiful um, uh, 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 supernatural being, shall we say. And, and it wasn't just Gladriel, you know, like like we've been talking. This these Marian themes show up in uh, the way, say, uh, Eowyn is is written. It, th- this this notion of th- this woman who brings about the death of the witch king of Angmar. Yes, yeah, so when the witch king says, "Do you not know that no man can, right. can kill me?" And then she removes her helmet, and uh, her hair falls loose, and she says, "I am no man." And so you know, we see all these wonderful depictions of the Blessed Virgin, of course, crushing the head of the serpent underfoot, um, and that's basically what um, Eowyn does in uh, the Lord of the Rings. Yeah, that's outstanding. I love how she got off on a syntax technicality, though. <laughs> yes, indeed. Well, play on words. Great writers always uh, always playful with words. That's part of the joy of reading them. So speaking of great writers, then let's pivot to Lewis. You, you make a, a kind of nod of the head, if you will, to Lewis's uh, attribution to the, the glories of Mary. But, but he, he's, he's a lot more withdrawn in the way he does it compared to Tolkien. Yes, I mean, what in, in, in this letter, um, uh, George Sayer, who, who knew, knew, knew Lewis very well, you know, ascribes the fact that Lewis never became a Catholic and indeed never had the, the, the depth of devotion to the Blessed Virgin on his uh, Ulster Protestant upbringing. So for, that, for those of you listeners who, who don't know about this, they'd be too young to remember the troubles in, in Northern Ireland. The, the Belfast, where, where, where C.S. Lewis was born, was one of the most um, uh, sectarian cities in the world where the Protestant majority uh, kept the, uh, the Catholics basically as, as second-class citizens, treating them with contempt. Um, and so Lewis, growing up as a, as a Northern Ireland Protestant, sort of imbibed this anti-Catholicism, you know, at his, at his mother's breast, shall we say, and, and, and at, at her knee. And specifically, actually, he had, had a Presbyterian nurse who was rabidly anti-Catholic. And although, you know, Lewis made great strides in the direction uh, of, um, uh, of, of true Christianity and becoming a Christian. By the end of his life, he went to uh, practice auricular confession, which is very unusual for uh, an Anglican. Mm-hmm. Uh, he actually, in, in his final book, he said that um, uh, after the Blessed Sacrament, your neighbor is the most important thing. You know, and, and this, that's very, very significant, of course, because, you know, first of all, Anglicans don't normally call the Eucharist the Blessed Sacrament, but he's basically saying there that the Blessed Sacrament is God, because, you know, 
you know, the great commandment of Christ is to love the Lord thy God and love mm. thy neighbor. And he says that after the Blessed Sacrament, your neighbor is the most important thing. That clearly analogy is with, with the real presence uh, in the Eucharist. So, you know, he, he, he came a long way, but he was never comfortable with Marian devotion. Right. Uh, and, and, and I think that's, you know, that is an example of this residual uh, anti-Catholicism with which he was raised. Right, and it's it's really sad. I'm, I'd like to quote here from very briefly from his book, Reflections on the Psalms. Uh, he, he essentially says that uh, we don't want to take the worship, the the worship of the Blessed Virgin. Oh, Hail Marys raise a doctrinal question, and in the, in as is found in the RCs, the BVM Blessed Virgin Mary is treated really as a deity and even becomes the center of the religion. I mean, what a mischaracterization of the religion that he had actually respected, albeit not espoused. Yeah, uh, exactly. It's a misrepresentation, and, and, and uh, you know, Tolkien makes it perfectly clear that Lewis is, uh, in, you know, in, as regards the Spanish Civil War, he took a very biased view because of his anti-Catholicism. Right, that, that's really sad. I'd love to continue this conversation uh, at a future date. been talking to Joseph Pierce, Director of Book Publishing at the Augustine Institute and editor of the St. Austin Review. I'm Marcus Peter, filling in for Al Cresta on Cresta in the afternoon. <laughs>